If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Shabbat all of you. Great to be with you. Spend some time, talk about ideas, to share thoughts. Look at the Parsha, look at the week, look what's happening, and try and learn some lessons in life, in Jewish life. After all, we have bodies, we have souls. Our goof, our bodies have to be nurtured. Our souls, our neshamot, have to be nurtured as well. It's a week, and what a wonderful week it is. Thursday night, of course, is the first night of Hanukkah. We light the first candle, the first lamp reminding us about the great miracles that took place once upon a time. The great miracles that took place once upon a time, but reoccur each and every single year, as we say in the blessing. Bayamim ha'heim, miracles took place then, bizman hazeh. But they reoccur, because in actual fact, although time goes through the sequence of past, present, and future, there is an infinite dimension to time as well. That which happens in the past continues in the present. And this is why, as we approach the 25th of Kislev each and every single year, we not only remember the great miracles of the past of yesteryear, we actually relive them now, because the energy of Hanukkah, the energy of that miracle, the energy of that greatness... The incredible heroic acts of the Hasmoneans, of the Maccabees, is something which exists right now. Each and every one of us possesses that type of heroic energy. We have to find it within ourselves. We have to find it within our makeup. Each and every one of us has that ability. And when we do, we create not only a memory of the past, but we actually create a miracle of the present as well. And this is why each and every year as we light the consecutive candles on the nights of Hanukkah, we are compelled to find that dimension within ourselves. This is the week of Hanukkah, Thursday night, the first light. If you don't have your Hanukkah yet, if you don't have your candles, if you don't have your oil, go to the nearest shop that sells those things. There are those shops Many of them. Go and get one. If not, call your local Chabad house. They will arrange for you to get one. Put it into your home. Put it into your home so the entire family is able to share, to celebrate, to participate, to be part of the miracle, to be part of that unique experience of finding the heroic dimension within oneself. Tonight as well. Tonight is the 19th of Kislev. The 19th of Kislev is the great day when the first Rebbe of Chabad, the first Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Schneer Zalman of Liadig, was released from Zaris prison in 1798, about 222 years ago. He was imprisoned on trumped-up charges. The authorities were told, somebody had said to the authorities that what he had written in his holy books is something that was treasonous, something that was treasonous to the Tsarist authority. And he was thrown into prison for 53 days, days of darkness, days of difficulty, days of great challenge, not only to the Hasidim of Chabad, but to all of Jewry. And this is why when on the 19th of Kislev, when he reached the passage in Talmud, 
reading my soul was liberated in peace. He was informed that he was to be a free man. I'm going to talk about those two events at length because they form the substance of this week. And not only, as I said before, great miracles that remind us of great events of the past, but because they talk to us about the present. They talk to us about the here and now. They talk to us about how to deal with life. They talk to us about how to understand life, about how to recognize the challenges of life, how to understand those challenges, how to make those challenges not only something that we can overwhelm, something that we can overcome, but how we can transform those challenges into positive dimensions within ourselves. The first Rebbe, of course, he wrote the Holy Book of Tanya. Tanya, of course, deals with understanding the inner dimensions of self, the soul of the human being, the nefesh, the fact that we have two souls, very often competing souls, the nefesh elokis, the nefesh abahamis, the animal soul, the godly soul, talks about creation of the world, the purpose of creation. It talks to us about God and the relationship between man and God and the relationship between man and God through the blueprint of Torah and how to understand creation as a result of understanding godliness, as a result of understanding ourselves. He also wrote the Rav Shulchan Aruch, a very precise and powerful book on halacha, Jewish law. And this is why, as I said before, this is not only a Chabad festival, the 19th of Kislev, the Utes Kislev. It is a festival for all Jews, because in actual fact, it wasn't a personal liberation, as he himself writes in a letter. It wasn't something that he celebrated for himself. It's something that he celebrates for all of Jewry, because what in actual fact happened, the nations of the world recognized the truth of his teachings, the truth of what he was showing the world, that it was important for the world to recognize the inner dimension of Torah. It was important for the world to understand the mystical dimension of Torah. It was important for Jews to recognize the mystical dimension of life within themselves. And as we go through life today, more and more we know that without understanding the mystical dimension of life, Life is extremely, if not impossible, to understand. Life has become so quick. It has become, well, it has become so overwhelming. The issues of life, technology, all that happens today without seeing an inner dimension in life, we don't really understand life. And this is why it's important for us to understand that there is a mystical dimension, not only that which appears on the surface of life, but there is an inner and hidden dimension of life. And when we understand the inner hidden dimension of life, that which appears on the surface begins to make so much more sense as well. 
Because if we only look at the superficial appearance of life, it's overwhelming and confusing and more than often quite destructive, paralyzing more than often. We don't understand it. It brings about tremendous dimensions of confusion. But when we see the soul of life, when we see the inner dimension of life, we begin to understand that there is purpose, there is a mission, there is a reason, there is a rhythm, there is something that is there, something that is godly, something that is there to teach us there is a purpose in every single dimension of life. And this is what the first Rebbe, the Alta Rebbe, as we call him, Rebbe Shneir Zalman of Li Adi, taught us in the book of Tanya what that rhythm is, what that dimension is, more of that so. This is the Pasha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about these important, wonderful events of this week, and it comes in the week Shabbos before. This Shabbos we read the Parsha of Vayishlach, and he sent. What is the Parsha all about? How does it begin? How does this Parsha connect with the important events that I mentioned earlier on? Vayishlach means, and he sent. What is the word he sent? Who sent to whom? We're talking about the great encounter, the reunion. Yaakov is coming back after many years, having lived in the house of his uncle Lavan, a corrupt, dishonest thief who tried to rob him on so many occasions. But nonetheless, Yaakov outsmarted Lavan, and he raised a magnificent family. He's coming back, a wealthy man, to see his father. But there he has to, along the way, meet once again with his brother Esau, Esau who has vowed to kill him. And he is coming back to see his father, but along the way Esau is approaching him with 400 armed men. Now what happens, what happens is of course that Yaakov, in order to appease his brother Esau, is going to send him a gift, etc., etc. And the Parsha begins by Yishlach, and he sends messengers, angels, with these gifts in order to appease his brother Esau. Now while, of course, we're all familiar with that story, the very word by Yishlach means, and he sent, what does it mean he sent? There is a distance between the one who sends and the one who receives. When you give, there is close proximity. You hand something to someone else, there is a closeness. When you send, send indicates there is a distance. And not only a geographic distance, it's not only because Yaakov was far away geographically from his brother Esau, it wasn't so far, but there is a geographic distance. But in concept, in idea, in philosophy, ideologically, they were very, very different people. Yaakov is going to send something over a great distance to his brother Esau. Yaakov and Esau, as we know, are very different people. Yaakov is a man who's dedicated to the study of Torah. Yaakov is a man who lives a life, ethics, morality, decency. He is a li- he lives a life that's based upon the teachings of his father Isaac, based upon the teaching of his grandfather Abraham. 
He believes in ethical monotheism. He believes in the concept of one God. He is raising a family that follows that legacy as well. Yaakov, as we know, is Yoshev Ahalim. He is the man who sat in the tents. He teaches morality, even when he was in the home, even when he was in the society of love and Garti, he still maintained a tremendous level of honesty, of decency, of goodness. Esav, on the other hand, is a man of conflict, a man of war. He is a hunter. He is one who is at war with the world. He believes in brute power. And Yaakov has to meet Esau. And he knows that Esau has vowed to kill him. How is that reunion going to take place? Very different. Their ideas are different. Their views of the world are different. How will that meeting take place? Our commentaries point out, as the Torah points out, that Yaakov prepared in three ways. He sends a gift to Esau. He also prays to the Almighty, and he also prepares for conflict. Now let's step back for a moment. In life, life generally, there is always that dimension of conflicting interaction. This is what the journey of life is all about. Yes, we'd like to think that everything is peaceful and good, But life generally has all sorts of challenges, all sorts of difficulties. And very often we have conflict in life. The conflict can be internal as well. We have issues within ourselves. We have issues outside of ourselves. And the great question of life, the great challenge of life, how do we deal with those conflicting challenges of life. How do we deal with the issues of conflict? And after all, everything in life really is a conflict. How do we approach those ideas, those elements that are outside of ourselves? It could be internal, it could be external. How do we deal with all those issues? Because although Yaakov and Esau are twin brothers, and they have serious conflicting issues, it also becomes a metaphor for what life is all about, the conflicting issues of life. And this is something which is so important for us to understand, because we cannot close our eyes and hearts and minds to the conflict of life. We can ignore them to a certain degree, but they're always there. And very often, we ignore them to our own peril. We ignore them, and we may believe they don't exist. But all that happens is that the conflict becomes greater. It becomes far more severe. And somehow, we have to interact. Somehow, we have to engage. Somehow, we have to deal with issues. And this is why we take the story of Yaakov and Esau, not only is a story that happened once upon a time, and not only is a story between two brothers, and not only as a story that talks to us, to us about two opposing philosophies of life, but we take it as a lesson to understand how to deal with those issues of life that are outside of ourselves and that are at odds with us. And the very first thing we have to 
understand is Durham. When there is conflict, there has to be a gesture, a gesture of giving, a gesture of kindness. Because sometimes the conflict is not a real conflict. It's based upon, well, issues that can be resolved very simply by addressing the other with kindness. Sometimes we blow up a situation. Sometimes we allow the conflict to become greater than it is because we create more and more of a distance of a conflict when in actual fact with a gesture of kindness it can be resolved. Sometimes we have to pray. By prayer we have to understand that sometimes the conflict is not something that's created by two parties. But this comes from the Almighty Himself who has created a world in which conflict exists. Different ideas, different backgrounds, different needs, different situations, different temperaments, different types of people. And therefore we have to appeal to something higher than ourselves. To create a perspective, to create a context, to understand others, to understand ourselves within the context of others. We have to resolve conflict, not by standing in our own position and allowing somebody else to stand in their own, but by both of us reaching a little bit higher than ourselves and beginning to see a perspective in which both ideas, both attitudes, both philosophies, both points of view can be accommodated within the same place. And this is very often what life is all about, what maturity is all about. But sometimes, yes, there are conflicts where they cannot be accommodated. Where the points of view are so extremely opposite one is so destructive that you have to go into battle. And what is battle? Battle doesn't necessarily mean you have to rip somebody else's head off. But battle means that you have to disprove through effective argument, through reasonable argument. You have to disprove the point of view of the other. Which means you have to be strong within yourself. Which means you have to be proud within yourself. Which means that you have to take the position and know that what you are saying is correct and proper. Where you cannot be weak. Where you cannot give up. And this is what Yaakov is teaching us. First thing is he sends a gift. Second thing he goes into a mode of prayer. Third thing he prepares for battle as well. And when we take those three guidelines in every single area of life, we begin to live a life differently. And while, of course, you know, it's not so simple to know which to apply, and very often we have to apply all three, the fact is, this is how we deal with life. And I come back to what I said earlier on. I come back to what I said earlier on in terms of what the first Chabad Rebbe writes about in Tanya, because he speaks about the great conflict, the two souls of man. The godly soul and the animal soul. Each one vying for power. Each one wanting to take control of the individual. One that draws him to material, physical things. And the other that draws him to spiritual things. And while, of course, there is conflict, it's a healthy conflict. Because on the one hand, the neshama 
pulls one to spiritual things, but at the same time, the body is driven to physical things. And it's not that you deny one. You have to recognize the value of each and how to reconcile a type of peace that allows the accommodation of both in a proper ethical way. It's not the destruction of one over the other. You have to understand. You have to learn to live with. You have to learn to understand the wholeness the wholeness of the individual and the approach that is necessary and not to allow a condition of violent interaction within oneself. And this is what the book of Tanya teaches us, how to understand oneself, how to understand that inner battle, how to understand that inner conflict and how to communicate for oneself to oneself. To recognize the existence of both of these elements within oneself and to allow for the communication between one and the other. And this enables one to reach out from within oneself outward. And this is how one deals with the world as well. It's not that you see the world as an enemy. It's not that you see the world as a place of great conflict. Because if you see the world on a superficial level, yes, it is a place of great conflict. But then when you begin to recognize the divine rhythm that is beneath the obvious, you begin to recognize the divine plan that is beneath that which simply appears on the surface, you begin to understand that God has placed each and every single individual into the world which appears to be in a state of conflict, but through one's actions, through one's attitudes, through one's application of values, you begin to create a world of peace. This is what Hanukkah is all about as well. Hanukkah is bringing light into a world of darkness. Hanukkah is bringing light into a world that tries to create darkness. Hanukkah is a time where there are elements, as then the Hellenists, that brought idolatry, that brought spiritual destruction into the Jewish world, into the Holy Temple. And it was Matisyahu and his handful of family and loyal adherents who said, enough is enough, we have to stand up with strength. And change all of that. That was Hanukkah. More of that. This is the Parsha Hashavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about the Parsha Vayishlach. It's the idea of the confrontation between Yaakov and Esau, how he sends, because there is a huge distance, not only geographic but more so philosophical, more so theological, more so in terms of how to view life, how to view the world, how they view themselves, how they view their purpose in life. We're talking about Yutis Kislev. We're talking about how the first Rebbe of Chabad in his great book, the Tanya, how he talks about the internal conflict within oneself, the two souls, the animal soul, the godly soul, and how a person is to view the world that God created, to view the world in terms of 
seeing it on a superficial level, which is a world of conflict and confusion, sometimes a distorted world, and recognizing the mystical dimension, the godly dimension of the world. There is a divine rhythm, a godly rhythm, a rhythm that indicates purpose, purpose in terms of why God created the world. And then there is the concept of Hanukkah, where Matisyahu and his family stood up against the powerful nation of the Hasmoneans and said, enough is enough. We will not be overwhelmed by that which you're trying to teach us. And what did the Hellenists try to teach the Jewish community? They tried to teach the Jewish community that you don't have to be so Jewish. Yes, you can have certain Jewish traditions, you can have certain Jewish attitudes, but by and large, you can have idols in the temple. You can have the modern thinking of what was modern at the time and allow that sort of synthesis, allow that sort of thinking of bringing together those ideas, Matisyahu said no, that will destroy the authenticity of Yiddishkeit, that will destroy the truth of Yiddishkeit. And this is why he and his family stood up and said, we have to, we have to defend ourselves, we have to rebel against this authority, we have to stand up and destroy the idols in the temple. And so they did, a handful of people against the mighty army, And what happened? They were victorious. All these things come together this week to tell us how important it is, how to know, how to deal with conflict. Yes, there are moments when there is, Doron, you have to extend a hand of kindness, a gesture of kindness, and that's all it takes to remove any type of conflict. Sometimes you turn to God in prayer or supplication and ask God to help you along the road toward peace and tranquility, reconciliation. But sometimes you have to deal with force, an inner force, a spiritual force, a divine force. And these are the things that we learn from Torah. These are the things that we learn from the great sages of Israel. These are the things that we learn from those who stood up and taught us what authentic Yiddishkeit is all about. Tonight, Yudhis Kislev, let us remember what Rav Shneir Zalman of Liadi stood for. He taught Hasidut. He taught not only a philosophy, mystical ideas. He taught people to understand themselves, to understand the world in which they live, to understand godliness, to understand creation, not only as theological insights, but to understand the purpose of creation, to elevate oneself, to become more refined, to become more exalted, to bring godliness within the world, to reveal godliness in the world. What happened on Hanukkah? Hanukkah was a time that people wanted to bring darkness into the world, wanted to extinguish the light of Torah and godliness by introducing Hellenism into the world, by bringing idols into the holy temple, by saying, you know what, Judaism is fine, but allow other external elements to coexist with Yiddishkeit. What was Vayishlech all about? Vayishlech is all about Yaakov coming back home to his father's home and Esau saying, Yaakov, why don't you follow my plan? 
Look at the world. Use power. Use strength. This is what the world is all about. And Yaakov says no. Yaakov says in Loban Garti, I lived with Loban, but I did not allow the values of Loban to become my own. I retained a sense of ethical behavior, of moral correctness, of honesty, of decency, of goodness. This is what Yaakov says. This is the truth of Torah. This is the truth of the everlasting values of Torah. It's not something which happened in the distant past. It's not a story that happened to Yaakov and Asa thousands of years ago. It's not something which happened to Matisyahu and his sons, the Hasmoneas, the Maccabees, thousands of years ago. It's not something which happened to the first Rebbe of Chabad hundreds of years ago. It's something which happens every single day. But we take their stories, we take their lives, we take their teaching, we take their example, and we make it our own. This is what being Jewish is all about. Being Jewish is having the wisdom, the courage to look at our history, to look at the legacy of that which was given to us and left to us by these great people and saying, I want to make this my own. I don't look to the world for advice. Yes, I look to the world to see what's happening. I look to the world and try to make sense of what's happening. But in order for me to deal with what's happening, I look to my past. I look to my history. I look to my authentic history and see what does Yaakov teach me? What does Matisyahu teach me? What does Rav Shneir Zalman of Liadi teach me? What do these great people teach me? What do they say and how do they behave? What example did they set? And what did they do in order to ensure that Torah and Yiddishkeit continue throughout the ages? Because if I allow only modern ideas to guide me, it might last a generation. It might last two generations. It might last two and a half generations. But it won't last much more than that. And I want that which I believe in, that which I stand for, that which I love, I want that to last forever. And I want to be part of that which makes it last forever. And this is why, don't forget, I know a lot of people are going on holiday soon. Make sure you take your Hanukkah with your menorah, your candles, your oil. Wherever you are, take sure, make sure that you take a chumash with and a cigar. So on Shabbat, or every single day, you have some time to read, to study, to pray. Make sure that you use the opportunity of the holiday experience to use it and to use it well. And of course, tomorrow, whether you're in shul or at home, open your chumash, listen to the words. Try to understand the story of Yaakov and Esau and make it your own. And tonight, around your Shabbos table, if you have something, otherwise call your Chabad house today. Or any Chabad rabbi and ask him to send you something. Or look up at Chabad.org and read something about Yutis Kislev and make your Shabbos so much more special. It's a great week. It's a great Shabbos. Use it well. Good Shabbos.